0: Boy, this image is kind of, uh, what what do you think she's, what's going through her mind on the cover of your bulletin? Take a look at that. She looks a little stressed out, doesn't she? Like she's not ready for the day? (laughs) Maybe so. Uh, When we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about that kind of stress, what could bring that much stress into someone's life, and uh, what ways uh, God's word speaks to that. Uh, I'd like to invite uh, Kim Newell to come, and she's going to read God's word to us, and if we can please stand together one last time to uh, honor God's word as she reads from The book of Exodus. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter. Nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much. Please be seated. So today, I'd like us to think about together a a specific spiritual practice. Uh, One simple means of grace that's that's often ignored or it's misunderstood, but it's designed to promote a healthy soul, a flourishing church, and and lasting happiness. And that is the Sabbath, Sabbath rest. Uh, A a plan that God gave us, a rhythm of life that means six days of work plus one day of of rest. Now, you don't need me to point out whether or not your work-life balance is out of whack. We won't take a a poll here, but just think about the week you've just had and think about the week ahead of you and ask yourself, is my work-life balance out of whack? More often than not, we feel tired. We need an extra jolt to keep going each day. I'm, I'm learning to really rely on that cup of coffee in the morning, <laughs> in the afternoon. I'm working on not adding cream. I hear that's, that's, that's not a good thing. You, just straight black coffee to keep going. So I get it. I, 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 know, it. I know that feeling. There, there's a sense or feeling that there's always more to do. There's always a to-do list. In our house, Cheryl likes to use sticky notes to write down her to-do list. There's always more and more sticky notes around to accomplish, to finish. Even after a weekend, we we get not one day, we get two days off. Even after a weekend, some of us are going to be dragging ourselves to work or school tomorrow. Despite all the ways we try to rest, despite all the ways that that we have the luxury of leisure time, for, for the vast majority of us, we have tremendous resources that the rest of the country, let alone the world, does not have. And yet, there always seems to be more work to be done. Am I, am I, am I touching on a nerve a little bit? <laughs> now, most of us have the means to afford R&R. So I already said, two days off a week, modern conveniences. Some of us have gym memberships. Many of us take vacations. We have hobbies. We have family time. And all I have to do is look at your Facebook and Instagram to know that you're super happy. Because that's all you ever post, right? Having fun, picking pumpkins, enjoying vacation. Even those among us who have a lot of free time, seniors, retired, right? Do you ever feel like you've gotten all of your work done, all of your chores done? There's always more work to be done and our bodies and our souls are weary. Could it be that that we're missing God's call for a day of Sabbath rest? That's sort of the question I want to lift up for us to consider this morning. And some of us will say, Pastor Pete, I don't need to be guilted into taking more time off. I'm already super busy. It doesn't fit in my schedule. I get it. That's not the point of this message. I promise you, this is not a guilt trip. God has provided, though, a remedy for work life imbalance, a work life imbalance that, that causes stress and sleep deprivation and burnout that, that some of us here, and you've come and told me so, that you're facing. You see, the Bible is filled with principles for living more life. It's, it's one of our, our cornerstones as a church that we want to experience more life, they're, they're there for our benefit. That if we follow Jesus' lead, if we, if we follow what the scriptures have, have taught us, we can live not only a much better life, better than better, we can live a blessed life. If we take God at his word, which was our whole theme from last week, taking God at his word. Everything God has cre- created works best the way he designed it. And so uh, I asked uh, that Kim read from Exodus chapter 20 from the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, to communicate to God's people how to live not only a better life, but a blessed life. So here's how the Ten Commandments begins. It says, quote, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So we're probably going to do a sermon series, just a little uh, foreshadowing, in the book of Exodus. You have 18 chapters in Exodus about God's rescue mission. Chapters 1 all the way through 18, it's all about God's rescue mission. God reminding his people that he's coming for them, to rescue them. And then here you have, before uh, the list of the 10, the big 10 commandments, you have the Lord saying to his people, I want to be in relationship with you. And so I will be in relationship with you, whether you like it or not. He says, I am the Lord, what? Your God. And I freed you to live. Uh, th- this is very important to get straight from the outset. B- before we have, you shall, you shall not, and you're thinking, okay, here comes another to-do list or not to-do list. Before the rules came, came rescue and relationship, and then listen, restoration of life as it was designed. The, the, the people were given grace and redemption. They were saved before the Lord God gave them the grace of how to live. So the idea or the notion that, well, in the Old Testament, the way you got saved was by following a bunch of of laws, but but in the New Testament, the way you get saved is is by faith, like Callie showed. That's a distortion of Scripture. That's a distortion of Scripture. Grace always comes first before God gives us his, his blessed law for life. So even before Moses went up and came down with the Big Ten, God was setting a new pattern for the people. Even before they get Sinai, there's a pattern. Six days of work and one day of rest. It's a rhythm, a balance in life, that they would be set apart. So if we were to uh, review the book of Exodus, uh, God's people, they cross and they, they're on their journey they're in the wilderness and what are they doing they're whining and complaining oh it's so terrible out here we wish we could go back to slavery it was so much better in Egypt why well because we're hungry we don't know what to do and it says that the Lord God provided for the manna from heaven daily bread uh, enough for the day If they tried to store some away, you know, do you ever have like a late night snack? You try to store a little bit away, it it, it would go bad, it would spoil. But on the sixth day, scripture says, they would collect extra bread. And what would that bread be used for? It would be used for for food for the Sabbath day, the Sabbath rest. Grace first, and, and once God's rescue mission was complete, more grace, and then rules for a graceful life and graceful living. And right there, in the top 10, I mean, this is the, the top 10. Think about, think about the top 10. Like, don't murder. Okay, okay, we won't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie. What's in the top 10? Number four, Sabbath rest. And so, so often we hear this, one, like, oh, Sabbath rest. It's in the top 10. And it is the longest commandment in Scripture, and it is the oldest commandment in Scripture. We'll see both of those in just a moment. So it comes in three parts. If you're taking notes, very simply, verse 1 tells us what to do. Verses 9 to 10 tells us how to do it, and verse 11 explains why to do it. Pretty pretty self-explanatory, pretty straightforward, right? Easier than putting an Ikea bookcase together. (laughs) What to do how to do it, and why to do it. So what does God want us to do? Verse 8, look at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It's not enough just to remember. You have to keep it. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember it's my anniversary. Uh, So why are you here at the bar? Oh, I guess I should go home and get some flowers. You don't just remember an anniversary, right? You have to do something about it. Sabbath is a day, he says, to be holy. That means... It's a day unlike all the others. Now, we don't subscribe or teach that Sabbath has to be on Saturdays, as it was for the Jewish people, and and there's differences of opinion, and maybe you have friends or family that are Seventh-day Adventists that would hold to that, but we don't subscribe to that. For starters, Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial laws by, by what's known in the Bible as his finished work on the cross, and we'll... Definitely come back to that. Plus, when did Jesus rise from the grave? came to life on a Sunday, which is the first day of the week. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20. And so in all the Gospels, it says that Jesus rose on Sunday. And so from the earliest days of Christians gathering to worship, they were worshiping on Sundays, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. You can read about that in Acts chapter 20 or 1 Corinthians 16, if you don't believe me. In the New Testament, the Lord's day is a Sunday, Revelation 1.10. Imagine the culture shift. It would have to be if you grew up as as a Jew who now finds Yeshua and say, say he is the Messiah, he is the anointed one. And now you gather with a, a bunch of other uh, Jewish believers and maybe some Gentile ones who say, "Well well we don't worship on Saturday anymore. We worship on Sunday." Imagine the culture shift to get there. Imagine being part of a people that Shabbat, that Saturday, everything shuts down. And yet you're thinking, "Why, well, I, I should go keep working? Because it's a work day. It's just a normal day. Imagine what would happen in your family, the conversations at family time. You're doing what? Wait, she, where is she? she? She's not She's not in synagogue. What is she doing? She's working. He's working. Then imagine explaining to your boss, yeah, you know what, from now on, I'm gonna take Mondays off. Why? Well, because uh, it's the it's Sabbath on, on Sundays, and so uh, uh, I'm shifting to a Monday. That would be the same kind of idea of taking a Sunday off. Imagine how difficult that would be. And yet they, they held this, as such an important uh, distinction of what it meant to be part of the church, that w- they would shift their worship from Saturday, a day off on Saturday, to the Lord's Day, to Sunday. Now we think about all the grief. Now, now I, I said Sabbath is no longer on Saturday, but it also does not have to be necessarily on a Sunday. Now think about people there are working on Sunday. Do you know anyone who's working on Sunday? you know anyone who's sweating on, on a Sunday? <laughs> Just kidding. But, but that's, that's not the only reason why uh, there's, there's some freedom in when we count that six, the six days of work and one day of rest. And so we read in Scripture, Romans 14, 5 and 6, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special, does so to the Lord. So it's between you and the Lord, Paul's saying. Again, Colossians 2, verse 16 says it this way. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or, wait for it, Sabbath day. No judgment. Don't let anyone pass judgment on you, he's saying. And he's talking about within the church. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, tells us what to do. It says, keep one day in six holy. Remember that that one day out of the seven, keep holy. How do we remember it? How do we keep it holy? Well, the Bible says, get all of your work done during those six days. And on the seventh day, stop. And not just you, but, but everyone in your household, take a break. And we think, well, I've got a whole weekend. I'll take a little break here, a little break there. Here a break, there a break, everywhere a break, break. That's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be tired at the end of the day. Some of us uh, get home and we're only sort of tired, but then the rest of the evening is all leisure. That's not the way God's designed. He says, yeah, when you get home and you climb into bed, you should be tired from from your work because you're saving it up this is the rhythm that we're supposed to be on. Six days of work and one day of rest. So how do we do this? Where do we start? Well, for starters, we're not going to be legalistic about it. That's why it got the Pharisees into trouble. Those were the religious law experts who dictated and added to the Sabbath law, added 600 extra rules for all the things you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. We're not going to do that. We're not going to legislate Uh, how we're to behave. I'm not going to promote some proposition to bring back blue laws. Does anyone know what blue laws are? Oh, let's see some hands raised. They still have this back east. Uh, Blue laws were were laws that that said there are certain things you cannot do on Sundays. They were part of our nation's history since the beginning. So no alcohol purchases on Sundays. Still the case in in Maryland. So everyone drives to Virginia. You know, Banks would be closed down. Main Street would be shut down on Sunday and they had to be legislated and we're not talking about about new laws. What we rely on, listen, is guidance from scripture. Simply, clearly, only asking for one, a day set apart in the week as a Sabbath day to enjoy God, to enjoy God's people, to have a place to, to worship, to recreate, to recreate, to be reminded that we are trusting in the Lord. That's it. Now, now God does get specific back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 10. He, He does get specific by saying, you shall not work. And what else does he say? He says that this is for your sons and daughters too. It extends to all those that work for you, to your whole household. This was revolutionary at the time. There was no other kingdoms or nations or tribes at this time around these people that would consider one day not to work. They would think how foolish of them to do this. But what was their motivation? What's our motivation? You, you know, besides the fact that the almighty, most holy creator God says we're to do it. Besides that, what's... Pete, what's my motivation besides that you're telling me that Almighty God has revealed this to us? Well, just, we can pick and choose, can't we? Well, besides all of that, this is the only commandment out of the 10 where God gives us a reason. He, he knows us so well that he goes on to explain why we should follow this rule. He, he, he just knows when I say don't murder or don't lie or don't cheat, enough said, right? Like when you're arguing with your parents and they just said, because I said so? And that kind of ends the conversation until you, maybe you're about 14 or 16 or whatever. And you're like, you're not the boss of me. God knows we need an explanation. And so he gives it. Look at verse 11. Here's why. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he what? Rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What does it mean to say that God rested? I mean, God, God is God. We believe God is all powerful. God doesn't need to be plugged in and re- recharged. What does it mean that, that, that God rested? He didn't need to recover his strength. So, why? In Genesis chapter 1, every time God made something new, he speaks a word about it, doesn't he? What's he say? It's good. Ooh, It's good. And on the sixth day, it says God looks at all that he's created and says what? It's very good. And that's what it means to rest. Some of you are thinking, uh, what? It means... To be totally satisfied with what's been done. The definition of rest is to be totally satisfied with what has been finished, with what has been accomplished. Nothing left to do. No more sticky notes. No more to do lists. It's done. The, the one way, the only way for many of us to ever stop and to take a real break, a real rest, is to finish that list, right? There's always a list. And the rest, a guy is speaking to us here, reminding us of, this is why it's the oldest of commandments, is his rest, that seventh day, just saying, it's very good. You know the first two things that God blessed in the Bible. Do you know what they are? The first two things that God blessed: number one, humankind (Genesis 1:28). He blessed humankind, and the second (Genesis 2:3), the day of rest. It's the first two things in the Bible that God blesses. He creates all kinds of things, everything, but he only blesses two: you, be made in His image, and the Sabbath. And ever since we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, we've been trying to get back in. But when Adam and Eve were still there, they were working. They were working, yet they were also enjoying this kind of rest, this kind of satisfaction, because they were in a place of blessing and more life and fulfillment with God, in harmony with with God and his created order and with one another, And they were free, they were unashamed. The fourth commandment rehearses what the life of peace, looking back at the garden, is like. Back where it all began, back where there was freedom and rest and enjoyment in life, we were just free to dance. (laughs) I added that, but I I think Adam and Eve probably danced a little bit. Listen, the only way you can find final rest to be freed from the rat race, from the performance trap, to be satisfied with what has been done in your life, to quit striving and to be at peace is by trusting in Jesus Christ by faith alone for salvation, by depending on his finished work on the cross. Instead of just giving you a a load of Christianese, I'm gonna explain what that means. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, it's talking about the gospel. It's talking about what it means to follow Christ. And the writer of Hebrews writes, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest, that is the gospel, has also rested from his works as God did from his. Hebrews is saying a Christian is someone who's able to look at their work life the way God looks at his Through Jesus, you can look at your life and say, it's absolutely satisfying. There's nothing else ultimately that needs to be done. It's all good. Because all the work I really need to do, all the work I really need to do to find fulfillment, to to have people respect me, all all that's set aside to find my place in life, to, to, to cut my own way, All I really need is Christ in my life. And he's done it all. How is that possible? Leisure time can't give you that kind of peace. Promotions can't do that. Retirement can't do that. Straight A's can't do that. Only when you rest in order to honor the image of God in you, to remind ourselves that we are more than the work that we do. You are more than the label you carry or the title you carry. We are who we are for the work he has done for us. Everybody wants to feel special, right? And important. Everyone wants to feel that they matter. Religious people seek that out through their good works. They say, I know I'm good because of what I do and what I don't do by comparison to everyone else. And secular people do the same thing only by a different standard. I work, I work hard, I serve, I care, I love, I meet the standards that I've set for my life. I'm trying to prove myself only to myself. You can have as much money as Paul Allen did. You would still have work to prove yourself to yourself. It's just human nature. You'll never finish working to reach that kind of prize. You'll never be able to say, It's all good. There will always be more. There will always be another trophy. There will always be another brass ring to reach out for. But the author of Hebrews is saying, Christ, receive Christ and enter into a rest, a a sanctification, a a holiness that is divine, that offers rest for your souls. Look at Jesus' words here, Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, trust your soul to me and I will give you rest. Serve me, he says. He he says it. I mean, taking a yoke, that's work. Make me the center of your life. You will experience absolute rest and satisfaction. How is that possible? Because Jesus himself kept the Sabbath. And more importantly, he identified himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. In Luke chapter six, which is our passage for our Bible studies that's, Inserted in your bulletin. Our home groups will go over this. He's fighting with these Pharisees, these these Sabbath police. And they're arguing with him because of the things that his disciples are doing on Sabbath. They're breaking all the laws. He says to them, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And later, just to prove his point, he really irked them by healing a man on the Sabbath. And you know what they did? Luke 6, verse 11. You know what the Pharisees and teachers did? Luke records right then and there, they start plotting to murder Jesus. They made him the Lord of the Sabbath because on the cross where Jesus cried out and hung in in terrible pain, what was happening? What was happening? Was, Was there restfulness on his face? Absolutely not. Isaiah 5720 says this, but the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest Whose waves cast up mire and mud. Isaiah 48, 22, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. What's the point? The point is, Jesus was doing all of the work on the cross on your behalf. He was working. The Father was turning away from the Son, and so He worked. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who knew, who had no sin to be sinned for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What Jesus was experiencing on the cross was God the Father turning away from him. The son was experiencing ultimate imbalance, ultimate restlessness, ultimate anxiety and unease. There is no rest for those who, who turn from the Lord and Lord God was turning away from his son. And then what happened at the end? as Jesus hung on the cross. It is finished. It is satisfied. He accomplished all of the work. For do you have ultimate value and purpose and meaning in your life to restore God's people in right relationship? Jesus Christ lived the life that I should have lived and died the death I should have died so that when God looks at me in trusting in Jesus, God sees his finished work. So friends, we're going to wrap it up here, but listen, being a Christian disciple does not mean trying to be like Jesus. What? I thought that's what it's all about. No, we're not going to be handing out more to-do lists for you to do. To be a Christian disciple simply means I rest, I trust, not on my own work, not on anything I can accomplish, but on his finished work. That makes you a Christian. That makes you a Christian. I'm forgiven because he was forsaken. So say it with me, at the bottom of your page. I will remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. I will remember the Sabbath and keep it holy by. Now fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. What will you pick up? What will be that yoke? What will you lay down? What will you change about the way you plan your week? I plan on Saturday for today. I, I get all of our chores done on Saturday, and then we enjoy worship, and today we have the home group coming over. We're gonna, so we clean the house like crazy. John did a ton of homework, and today's a day just to, to celebrate. What's it for you? What's it gonna be for you? How will you rest your body? How will you recharge your mind? How will you refresh your spirit? Friends, I want you to rest assured, keeping the Sabbath will teach you to depend on God. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. And as I invite Rob and the team to come up, let me just read this last passage of scripture and then we'll pray. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is useless to work so hard for a living, getting up early and going to bed late, for the Lord provides for those he loves while they are asleep. Isn't that a good word? I might be taking a nap this morning, think, or this afternoon, not this morning, <laughs> thinking about that verse. If you want a more healthy soul, if you want a more flourishing church, If you want to be blessed and not stressed, to grow in godliness, to rest your body for one day a week and to give thanks to the Lord, to remember the promises of Scripture, to refresh your soul. Lord God, we thank you for today, for this Lord's Day. We ask you, O Lord, that we would be reminded, we would rehearse great promises of the gospel, the finished work of Christ. And Lord, we would grow more and more dependent on you, not with a to-do list, but with a, a living, joyful celebration of fellowship, of worship, of what those things that would bring life to us, that would set us, set us apart from our neighbors, that so we would live differently. We would be countercultural for a reason, that they'd see a difference in us and the difference is you. We love you, Lord. Amen.